whoa, whoa, we're not talking about reality here. We're talking about fiction. It's different, you know? A reality is just what we tell each other it is. Sane and insane could easily switch places if the insane were to become the majority. You would find yourself locked in a padded cell, wondering what happened to the world. I mean, it wouldn't happen to me. Well, it would if you realized everything you ever knew was gone. I'd be pretty lonely being the last one left. live from the offices of Mike Bloomberg South Carolina headquarters. <laughs> you can support the show at patreon.com slash death panel pod. Hey, yeah. Bernie one. I, I heard a little it. bird told me Bernie one. So yeah, Bernie, Bernie one. Um, here we are. And, uh, and leading the Klobu charge was Bernie Sanders. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Bernie, Bernie has so much clomentum right now. You yeah. guys. Oh God. <laughs> I felt a little uncomfortable about the, I was like, haha, Klobu charge. And then, um, on the Hill, they were like, and then there's the Klobu virus. And I'm like, mm, yeah. mm. it wasn't clear to me. It wasn't clear to me. Like, I always thought that this was sort of like club talk. This was sort of like what reporters in the sort of like in the reporters club say. And then I read an article in the New York times that used the phrase clomentum. And I was like, Oh, hell no, yeah. You can't, this is, you know, you, you were, you have very strict editorial style guidelines, but you allow this. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. How, how is it literally possible that there isn't some fussy person in like the bowels of the New York times being like, no, no, <laughs> well, no. Well, may- Maybe like the, f- uh, when the first time that they called Trump a liar in a headline, uh, how they wrote a story about, uh, like how, how happy they were with themselves. How we decided to do this. Yeah. Maybe that maybe we'll eventually get the, uh, well, I guess they don't have a public editor anymore, so maybe that won't happen, but, uh, <laughs> never gonna happen. we'll never know anymore, <laughs> but, but maybe we'll get the glad handing the self, the self congratulatory article. That's like how we decided that it was time for Clomentum. That's Shed this style guide <laughs> and don the garments of 2020. Oh my God. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, uh, someone called it Amy Mentum this morning, which I would prefer Clobu Mentum to Amy Mentum. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the like queer, the queer washing moment when they call themselves like the club kids, like it's the nineties or something. Oh my oh, god, yeah. but with a two K. The Club Kids. Club kids. The Club Kids. Club oh my god. Kids. Oh no. I'm, a, I'm kind of make it as a club kid on the scene. Yeah. Oh my god. But I mean, I'm all of these are just from this. All of these are just different kinds of contort. And like it was in what I was most watching for was like the different kinds of contortions that people would go through just so that they could avoid saying that Bernie won. And right. like, right. you know, yeah. the, and even the, this idea, like, so yeah, there are all kinds of false comparisons that you see. There are all kinds of, um, emphasis on, even if they're going to mention that Bernie won, that he won only by a slender margin, but like what, mm-hmm. what most people haven't keyed into. And, and actually there's a, a nice little, uh, blog post by a old, uh, grad school chum of mine, Dave Hopkins, who, you know, he really hit the nail on it, which is that like the two people who are like best poised to mm-hmm. uh, deal a blow to Sanders are going to like implode on themselves. And that's right. sort of what <laughs> we saw last night that the two candidates who like were potentially his strongest rivals, um, they're not going to be the people to stop him. And it might be the case that no one can outright in an election contest 
stop him. And I, I saw that we were in the Discord uh, last night and we were sort of with our death panel fam, uh, which was great. Uh, mm-hmm. Watching Returns Rolling. I was there was, all day long. Self-care is uh, 10 hours of listening to Medicare for All Week in order with all of your friends in the Discord. It was great. And it was like so great to see people in the in the chat. And it was we it was a really good way to pass these sorts of events. But like the one thing that we saw is like the numbers were rolling in was that this whole idea, this whole like rural narrative that like Bernie can't win in mm-hmm. rural areas. Yeah, <laughs> just totally. completely put to shame. You see these tiny towns, middle of nowhere, Coos County, uh, New Hampshire, far uh, uh, northern New Hampshire. And Bernie's just absolutely uh, crushing uh, yeah. in these towns. And in fact, in most of these poor rural uh, northern communities. Yeah. It's probably because they all know that Medicare for all is going to decimate rural hospitals. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God. it could be. I mean, we, we don't know. Uh, the the th- And the thing that really like was even more telling was that the one county in New Hampshire where Buttigieg won big, Rockingham County, mm-hmm. is the county that has by a mile the highest median income in the state. The median income in Rockingham <laughs> County is $117,000 a year. That's you the median. see it. Yeah, that's, that's the median. It's, it's, it's pretty obvious what's happening here. It's Connecticut rural, not uh, right. like real rural. That's rural if like having an estate is rural. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> a plantation, <laughs> if you will. Like, Rockingham is Rockingham is suburban ish. It's sort of like it seems like sort of uh, New England suburbs um, in a way, right? Um, but it's rich. But it's rich. Well, and one of those, and one of those, like uh, I'd, I'd say, probably then one of those suburbs too that has resisted the um, the the like transition back to suburbs being like actually more like the more impoverished re- regions or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like there's we. Ha- I feel like as a as a in terms of media narratives, we totally haven't adjusted quite yet to the fact that like the the stuff that happened like mid 20th century all the like white flight and all the like uh capital flight actually from cities and into the suburbs like did reverse and has been Mm -hmm. reversing um and that i think because of like people like with a lot of wealth in cities who want to protect their class interests Mm -hmm. you know i think that was like a reason to worry about some of like the bigger cities rather than even like the rural areas right Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, and I think like one of the things that's been really frustrating is uh, like, you know, just sort of dealing with the like clear blindness to class lines in the mm-hmm. media right now. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm allowed and to you make can that say joke. That, yeah. I can <laughs> say that because I am blind. <laughs> right. But like it's almost as if socioeconomic inequality does not exist if you watch MSNBC. Oh, of course not. They're yeah. pretending like it's no. like completely Im- like an imaginary dragon in a cave somewhere. Mm-hmm. I was I was uh, stressed about not having a take on the way over or not having a good enough take and so I pretended that I was just casually texting the group chat but then I actually had my take, which I'm going to read now really dramatically because I realized, because I realized yeah, that Charlie. I... This is exactly what I came for. Because well, I, re- well, I, I realized I didn't have like a, a Lauren Berlant quote picked out that I was going to sort of like, like biblically turn to like a, uh, a pastor. Um, so this is if for people who aren't in this text chat, um, this is uh, below an image of a CNN poll um where they're just like measuring the anger that people feel 
Um, With they're the like, height of the candidates. Yeah, they're they're like uh, centrists can admit can't admit to their conservatism, which would shatter their self image as hashtag resistance liberals. So instead, they project it onto this rando quote white working class, which dot 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 actually supports Bernie because they want health care and not death. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's like, the, no, that's awesome. And my second my second text said, like, just admit you're covering for whichever show will defend your class interest, lol, and then be put a little heart on it. Yep, <laughs> that's, it's very true. I, I I have to say though the um I think it is important to really like drive home the fact that like all of the like so many of these small towns did like really go for Bernie and that also like when in the districts or like in the places where uh Bernie won he won handily mm-hmm. whereas mm-hmm. like when uh, and this is something like we, we were talking about before, Phil, that like, whereas when like uh, the ones that like Buttigieg and uh, Klobuchar won predominantly, it was like a squeaker for them. Um, and then also on top of it, I mean, I feel like it's been uh, really kind of disheartening, actually, to see even some people on the left. I don't know where this came from exactly, but there has been a narrative circulating, actually, that uh, that like even among people who are like kind of more. I don't know. Like, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily call them like full on uh, like bearers of left discourse or whatever, but certainly people who are like way further. They're like, not progr- verified. People who are like very pro- <laughs> like who who are who are journalists who are more outspoken about closer to left views, right? Um, mm-hmm. Even them straining to make this weird assumption that like he didn't do so well in small towns. I don't know. Yeah, um, it's, it's really it interesting. I don't. A bit. I genuinely don't know where they got their data from on this because if you look at the, I just did a quick correlation plot uh, this morning of like Sanders vote share versus <laughs> as, like you do, as, as you do. like you yeah. do. What is what is that? It's basically like looking at is there an association between Sanders vote share and the size of the place, like how how densely populated it is. And the, but the point is like I don't see I don't see where that narrative comes from, and I also don't see this. This sort of like idea that there's not that there's like not a political path to like building out the the coalition for Sanders is mm-hmm. also right. curious to me, especially because like turnout in New Hampshire was a great deal higher um, mm-hmm. than it had been in past years. Higher yeah. than um, Trump had in the uh, in than the 2016 Republican primary too, right? Yeah, yeah, and even though not all of those new voters went to went to Sanders. Uh, I, I think that it's just like if you're looking at this and you're trying to think about like who is capable of like doing the work, not just of like, OK, there's a lot of people canvassing, but also of like having a story to tell that is something that makes people uh, impassioned about the political moment and not yeah. mm-hmm. disparaged uh, like or d- dispirited about it. I mean, it is really evident that like the Democratic Party politics of the last 30 years and their messages, their means of communication, their means of assigning like hope and political possibility to people, uh-huh. it, it, they've just like they've cratered, which is why yeah. it's not just that like mm-hmm. the, the party hasn't consolidated behind another candidate, which is, I think, the, the frequent narrative. But it's that there's nothing on which they can consolidate. There's no thing mm-hmm. on which that they, yeah, they can consolidate. Totally. There's no set of like dominant frames for the world on which party elites can consolidate because their narratives of of like what's going on and why people's lives are not their people aren't able to like live their fullest lives. They failed. Well, right. One new um, mm-hmm. term of liberal wonk speak that I learned last night was Bernie won the authenticity battle. Um, and I'm just like, like any good influencer would. 
Right, exactly. It's like they're like, what is his authenticity factor? And his authenticity <laughs> factor is literally like not a mm-hmm. fucking liar. How do I build a brand story around this? <laughs> exactly. He seems it's so it's so natural. How does right. he do it? It's I like, mean, you see the grasping though, like in the way the New York Times has been covering this and the demographics around the support behind Sanders and the way that like NPR, New Yorker, like all of them have been saying, like, can Sanders it's remains to be seen if Sanders or any of the other candidates can replicate the turnout of the black male vote from, you know, 2008. They're trying to tie this back to like a moment in politics that is fundamentally irrelevant to our current situation. Right, exactly. And like, I really do feel like that what we see more than anything else is like a media landscape that's fundamentally unprepared to have these conversations. I mean, it's also just like racialized in a really gross way of just like, really just like, (laughs) it's, it's the one black vote. And if they fuck it up, which they might, it'll be all there. I'm just like, shut the fuck up. Right. And that's like the New York Times feels totally uncomfortable putting together five pieces to wrap up the New Hampshire primary and making sure to mention that point in all four of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they they completely they completely sort of miss the the point. I think that, you know, the Bernie campaign is going for and Bernie is actually offering people something that they might want to vote for as opposed to, you know, just counting on them. Like a, like on anybody particularly. I do think that we're in. I mean, it's uh, obviously there have only been uh, you know two, uh, two well one primary and one dumpster fire. Yeah, one dumpster fire of a uh, caucus situation, um, which you know clearly the results don't match what actually happened even that day. But like uh, obviously it's early, but I do think that we're kind of. I, I think that that point that Phil mentioned earlier about um, you know the the biggest rivals having been either either taken down or just like completely hobbled at least right. is is really mm-hmm. interesting and to me it kind of points to this thing of like we're gonna see and you know I guess this like what I guess what we're gonna end up being doing over the course of this whole thing is like I mean we are clearly talking about New Hampshire and we're gonna get like deep into electoralism on here but I do wanna I do wanna say that I think that like in terms of this electoral ba- battle. I feel like there are two ways that this uh, could go down. One, uh, one which I would really like to see, um, which I feel like this, uh, which I think New Hampshire was a really good sign for, is that like we always knew that this was going to be a knife fight, right? And it seems like really all the centrists have like done it to have like knife fought each other, and everyone like they've gotten like very. Like they, right, there would have been a smarter way to do this from like the a strategic. If perspective. there was al- right. if there was already like a consolidated centrist block in some way, it would have that would have happened. And also seeing like mm-hmm. you know how how poorly uh, Warren did with yeah. with her existing message of um, I'm going to try and be the uniter between the Sanders wing and the uh, Amys and Buttigiegs of mm-hmm. the world. Like how mm-hmm. poorly that actually works because people feel the material crush on them you know so mm-hmm. I, th- I mean i think it's, it's interesting because i feel like so there's this one hand where it could go where like yes we could see like biden and uh klobuchar and Buttigieg, and to a certain extent uh if if warren decides to tack more to the center because she feels like that's where the, like the votes are or whatever um, to, to stay in the race because she's indicated that she has like these big plans for Super Tuesday and, and onward, et cetera. Um, but I think that we could like the I think a really good scenario is if they like really do completely gut each other. I think what I'm worried about 
is the possibility, and I don't think that this bears out in national polling at all, because a lot of the people who ended up choosing Amy and Pete Buttigieg, it seems like predominantly they chose at the very last minute as mm-hmm. the like, cuz they like had this huge yeah. flight there was a huge flight from Biden clearly cuz i think mm-hmm. everyone kind of realized like well we need someone else and it so it feels if, very desperate but what i'm worried about i guess is if people stay with those people if they're if somehow the clomentum continues Oof. and Buttigieg keeps you know doing things like de- like going up and de- like basically declaring victory without saying as much which he did, yes, he did uh, last he's, night. Yep. he's gonna yeah. get to South Carolina and just be like I have won right no well, yeah prob- uh, but, Buttigieg but, is, has done well in two states let, that look like him let me, South let me, Carolina does not let me, let me just say I guess I'm 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 concerned that seeing like seeing how panicked uh, not only the media but also clearly the DNC and people who are like sort of like para related to uh, that orbit still people like James Carville, uh, <laughs> you know, seeing them panic right now and seeing people like uh, Chris Matthews say like, Oh, I'm worried that if Bernie Sanders gets elected, like they'll be executing people in central park or whatever. I'm concerned that like there will be some sort of totally uh, rid- like ridiculous uh attempt to manufacture something like even like a Buttigieg Klobuchar like unity delegates thing uh, like what right. people were hoping would right. be with Sanders and Warren should we that would sorry I don't know. yeah should we talk at all about like the possibility I'm just saying of Michael like, Dukakis that's all yeah like of a I mean that is something that I have been like a little concerned about is like okay what if there is a situation where essentially like the DNC decides to sort of stick it out in order to like consolidate and produce a contested convention. Like, is that even physically possible, Phil? I mean, look, uh, we, we've been saying this for a long time yeah. uh, on, on this podcast, a contested convention is possible. It's uh, something that a lot of I think pundits would like to imagine is not possible. Can um, you just sorry explain explain what that is for? Yeah, so you need to have my friend when, who doesn't when, know. Yeah, <laughs> when, you need to, when you get to the DNC, you need to have a qualified majority of delegates that are assigned mm-hmm. by these primaries, right? And the way that Democrats assign delegates uh, to the primaries is if you get fifteen uh, percent above, roughly speaking, of the vote. Um, then there's a proportionate share of delegates that you get from that state. So if you don't have a qualified majority on the first ballot, where all of the votes are locked in to those delegates, then it goes to a second ballot. And that is where superdelegates, which are institutional members of the Democratic Party. Who we um, all remember got, from 2016. Right. <laughs> um, and that's where they sort of get released and are able to shape the vote. And that's where sort of uh, horse trading and dealing, and that's where like strategy on the floor and pressure from outside the, of the convention hall will be super necessary. But, but, you know, but so that's entirely possible, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, becoming uh, clear that the, the party doesn't really have a strategy for coordinating on a candidate prior to the convention. So right. they, they could be like, really just praying that like Mike Bloomberg is able yeah. to like soak up these um, soak up these sort of moderate votes and like begin to occupy some of the lanes here, or at least pushing things to that point. But I think the other thing to note is that like that is sort of to talk about a convest- contested convention is to put the cart before the horse because it is entirely yeah. possible with the right amount of mobilization 
um, for Bernie to really begin picking up in some of these states. You got to remember, like we're, you know, we're a couple weeks away. Everyone's thinking about South Carolina and Nevada, but um, Nevada, however one says it. Nevada. uh, It's Nevada. However one wants to say it. uh, Only that one way. But the only that one way. Um, (laughs) But the, but like the real question is going to be, you know, states like California, states that have a lot of right, delegates. Yeah, We're looking at absolutely. states with tiny shares of delegates right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. So, Texas, if you will. And so this is where, I mean, if we're thinking about what we want to be doing in the next, you know, few weeks or few months, if you care about something like Medicare for all and you uh, don't think that uh, the Medicare or the healthcare system that we system in quotes that we have now, like provides for human dignity that like maybe there, you know, there's a set of things that we probably should be doing. Um, but it's entirely possible that, you know, you know, a, a couple months from now, we're going to need to have a, con- a, a, a yeah. conversation about what a contested convention would look like. Also, though, I've- sorry, I, I was actually just going to, uh, reinforce Phil. I completely agree with that point. I, um, uh, this morning got on the was kind of cruising around on the Bernie uh, campaign website. Is um, that a cruising ground? You for were you, cruising Vince? on Burn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On yeah. The burn was, uh, they have a good Slack channel. Um, it's uh, <laughs> full of hotties. Anyway, uh, <laughs> they, uh, you know, I wanted to start looking at like, okay, like where can can I go to do you know canvassing and um, like and knock doors and. But actually, their website still just has where to volunteer in the first early four states. And right. um, like, uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to like update everything. But uh, it does speak to the fact that like, you know, it isn't too early to start like putting together the ground game for Super Tuesday because fucking Mike Bloomberg goddamn is. And like, also, yeah. also um, does I've had the um, this sort of bitchy Nate Silver quote. I'm um, sorry, tweet <laughs> on my screen for the past five minutes where he says, personally, I'd say the candidate who won 1.5 states, Sanders, is the front runner over the candidate who won 0.5 states, Buttigieg, especially if that candidate is also leading national polls. So that, yeah, I just, even, if even Nate Silver gets it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But well, I mean, the one thing you can say about Nate Silver is he likes to win. So I I want to um, want to circle back to some of this because I think the the contested convention uh, thing mm-hmm. is really important. I think for exact for exactly that reason, for the, the, like the reason I was saying the the things about like the the way that it could go is because I think it's really really important that we steamroll this and I mm-hmm. want to drive home that like it's okay so I understand that there are various factions on the left for example that like don't really particularly uh, care for or about Bernie or electoral politics for example and there are yeah. also a lot of people who like you know like or donate for uh, like or donate to Bernie who like might not be super active in like volunteering for example and i wanted to say that i think it's really important seeing this happen and seeing the active resistance to it that if for example you're one of those people who are like well the moment that we could for instance get to the point of calling a general strike the moment that we could get Mm -hmm. to the point of having like a mass movement protest or a mass uh action or whatever anywhere to whether it's to like pass something or to do any number of other political uh, activities, mm-hmm. which will go unnamed here. If you're one of if you're one of those people who is like the moment that that happens, like when that coalesces, I will be there. The it's I think really important to understand that also I like I'm I'm starting to get the impression that this is also to a certain degree 
this is very important, if nothing else, to also like prove that there can be a movement of left power in the United States and like mm-hmm. turn up for it so that the movement can become much bigger than an electoral fight. The movement and it is obviously much bigger than that, but like so that it is demonstrated that like I guess what I'm saying is if we can't show up here and and again steamroll a bunch of states and like really win a ton of delegates in a bunch of states or at the very least have such a massive showing of of uh you know uh, power and support and collectivity mm-hmm. in these states um then i think like we're going to lose people who will not who will begin to think like well it's not possible yeah like no, you're, right. you're projecting that this is all possible to people no Are, matter what i think what you're i mean what you're saying is really a point about vests right like if they have the yellow vests right. in france part of what yes. we're showing here is we could have our own mm-hmm. yellow vest yeah. here mm-hmm. or maybe right. even vests of a different color right but we would be wearing vests <laughs> right. we, <Yeah>. we, <laughs> we we always think of Let's these kinds of like task tactics as like sort of like a last resort situation like if you think about like in chile like you know mm-hmm. you have um sort of uh no other choice right but i think if we if we start thinking about these types of like mass actions as being like a proactive solution like i'm just thinking specifically of like the um restaurant workers union in uh las vegas right coming out and like emailing all of its members like bernie sanders is going to take away your health insurance right right? Right. like you see these sort of union establishments scabbing they're organizing against medicare for all because they've been like you know let's let's say like okay yeah we have like a resurgent labor movement that doesn't mean that like the leadership of some of these large unions is not also part of the problem. Right. 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 It's interesting too, though, because in New Hampshire, and this is, I know this may be specific to New Hampshire and maybe specific to the beginning of the race too, because I do think that there is, I think that obviously there's a lot of union support for Sanders and obviously like we will, we can continue to uh, like prove that the left movement or whatever is like obviously on the side of the unions. But like if you do look at the New Hampshire, uh, at least the, the, the sorry, the, this is a bit uh, overstated because this is just an exit poll from Washington Post. But the exit poll from Washington Post actually had like even though even though like Biden did really poorly um, mm-hmm. among union, like uh, did really poorly in general and won no delegates. Awesome. Um, the uh, he he had like it was like plus 17 uh, percent or something of like of the exit poll um, in union family mm-hmm. and like union household mm-hmm. voters. So, you know, right. I mean, it's like I, I can't I'm still haunted by uh, RD and I's experience going up to Albany for the hearings for the New York Health Act, because what you had yeah. in that situation was literal nurses testifying in support of the New York Health Act while the leaders of their professional union were testifying right afterwards against them. Yeah. And what you well, they saw, have different class interests. Right. Exactly. What you see is like that the fact that, you know, there is a f- portion of the blame for our current situation with like large union leadership right now. Right. And over the acting past against years. the interest of right. like the bigger class project. Right. Yeah, and absolutely. I think like, um, you know, for people who are like not into electoral politics, who are into like building one big union and stuff like this, like, you know, what position do we want to be starting this fight in? Like, how disadvantaged do we want to be going into it? And like, how safe are we really going to be if we don't do some hard work now? You right. know what I mean? It's just right. not going to be feasible. Well, and the other thing is like, you know, <clears throat> the establishment at the moment is uh, 
afraid of of the possibility of Bernie Sanders getting the nomination. Terrified. Mm-hmm. We want them oh, to yeah. be afraid of the possibility of every single one of them losing their jobs because Bernie completely flips the entire organization of the party. Well, Do you know what is, I mean? This is another thing I learned from Crystal Ball last night and another new word, which I like, mm-hmm. called <laughs> deal cycle. Um, I love, like, wow. Um, wow. Yeah, it's a good one, right? Deal cycle is an Wait, amazing... Wait, ex- sorry, explain deal cycle. It's an amazing uh, name for a child, I think, but it's also basically... Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Or a racehorse. Yeah. No, no, no. The, uh, I mean, it's it's uh, just basically a, another wonk term for what you're saying, which is that um, they want to be able to keep like right now they have a sort of like gatekeeping structure that if Bernie Sanders wins, no longer has any power. But actually, right. if Trump wins, then they still the deal. The deal cycle is itself still in place. So it's right. actually within their the, the interests of the deal cycle for Trump to get. Oh, yeah, I mean, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and mean, that's something, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, and that's something that we've talked about here before, too. Like, of course, they would rather, of, of course, like the current, like the current makeup of the DNC and like all of those uh, people would absolutely much prefer even like Bernie losing to Trump, which w- uh, in my opinion would not happen. I don't think it, I, I think that like the only chance, frankly, of like Trump not getting reelected is if Bernie is the nominee frankly mm-hmm. um, I'm pretty but they would, yeah I'm pretty there too myself but they would uh, like they would obviously prefer either him losing or even just like Buttigieg or something being the nominee and still losing to like Sanders winning the nomination and then winning the presidency because then they're all out of a job and I mean, their entire grift we is were, like fucked well, and, but, it, but it's also but it's also part of why they can't actually have like a brand because they're the subtext of whatever they say is like we are the deal cycle but if you actually right. like make explicit like, oh, we are the deal cycle. That's what we stand for. Right. <laughs> Not very convincing. Right. I mean, it's like, oh, like Artie and I were talking about this with Vivian DeGroen the other day, which is just like this is like a like healthcare is, yes, like a niche topic and it is like a specific thing. But it is also like a multi-billion dollar international industry. It is in a lot of ways the largest industry larger than fossil fuels in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. shit. Like this is like health and capitalism are completely intertwined yeah, in its current in formation. Its, yeah. You cannot extract them from each other right now. And what we have is like an actual chance to like put a crack in that facade. Yeah. And mm-hmm. people are terrified of it because all of their jobs are on the line because right. all of them have been complicit for decades yeah. in maintaining like this power structure. We're literally like getting geared up to fire the first shot in what would be like a like a war basically right. against, this is against like capital. the assassination of Franz Ferdinand. This is like the excuse that we get to take them down or invade. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that they don't care about beating Donald Trump, but I think the, there's a sort of, there is like a rank order of, of priorities for them. Exactly. And it's That's- like they, and, and the thing is like the weight of history hangs heavily on these people because how do people get into their jobs of being consultants? Uh, they are there because they, prove to somebody that their brand was good in the past and that they were able to do something in the past. It's why we have people like James Carville still, I mean, still emerging from the muck of history to like say <laughs> something about Michael Bennett for some reason. And yeah, it's like, like you know, he and like still alive. He looks like uh, the crypt creeper and a swamp monster. And again, this is like 20 years ago, you know, if you would have looked at like political news, like who's the real like person that people are going, it's like, Oh yeah, James Carville. He just has his finger on the pulse. He like knows the special sauce of American politics, right. but it's like this guy yeah, right. 
and and a lot of there's a lot of many like lesser Ragin Cajuns and non Cajuns. But they sort of they made their bones on a set of facts that like Americans care number one that some large portion of Americans cared about the deficit. Untrue. Yes. Um, <laughs> that like Americans were more afraid of like having an expanded Medicare program than they were uh, pissed off about or potentially pissed off about the crappy quality of their current uh, employer sponsored insurance. Like these ideas, it's almost as if this is sort of like the venture brothers and and every night these people go to sleep in like tubes uh, that <laughs> just pump in, pump in commercials totally. from 1997. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think it is something that happens is like when you, when you're, a younger person in these positions, you like, you start getting good at something and then your class interests are connected to it. And then you just yeah. re rehearse it over and over again. You are systematically, uh, you're sort of your entire milieu. It prevents you from thinking about a different way of winning. And I think like this neural pathway has to be like, um, like changed in a pretty robust way. And, and it's not just a trickle uh, in the stream that changes it. It's like a flood that has to change it, which is right. why, again, it's not just like about winning a couple election contests here and there. It's not just about, um, you know, uh, demonstrating that like, okay, there is this sort of latent, uh, unmet demand, um, not for left politics per se, but for things that the democratic party has abandoned in its own history, yeah, uh, that people. is completely forgotten about, uh, well, these yeah. people that people want. These people are also, I mean, they're also fighting a, a legacy battle. They're, a lot of them are sort of just like closest to retirement. And if Bernie gets elected, or then death. the whole, yeah, or, or, or death or being swept up by Satan at last. Um, or <laughs> so, like, so, and, and so the Bernie, sidewalk will part. Yeah, exactly. So if Bernie gets elected, suddenly they don't get to like retire with like a nice library named after them and like a nice legacy. And yeah, they, their legacy. Yeah, it's like, it's like, no, actually you can retire and we're going to talk about how everything you've been doing for the past 40 years is fucking awful. Yeah. You don't yeah, get, but it, is, but it is, it is also about like this, this whole idea that like, I've really thought about this in a way that I hadn't before. I'd always just thought, okay, you have an election and then delegates are assigned and you know, we, we go on, but it is so much. Every contest is also a contest about the image of the world and like what kind mm -hmm. of world we are in and what right. it is that people want. And the exit polls are so clear. Six in 10 <laughs> voters in the exit polls wanted to get rid of private insurance Hell so yeah. that right. they could have Medicare for all. I mean, Wasn't like it seven in ten who said healthcare was their key issue. Yeah, yeah, and seven in yeah. ten healthcare. Seven in ten issue. said so, key key voting issue was healthcare. Six in ten said get rid of private insurance. And, and I was, think five in ten said that like environment was there. And it was similar in Iowa too. Fifty-seven percent said that uh, they would uh, that they favored uh, abandoning private insurance and going to a single a single payer model. Actually, mm, right. it really reminds me kind of like when like crypto fash like podcasters say that like by calling them out on saying slurs that you're threatening their livelihood you know what i mean it's the same sort of like um uh i've staked out this position i've earned my place here and you have no right to um like proceed with any uh anything beyond like what's already been agreed upon as the parameters for how we run politics here yeah you know what i mean right. it's it's a very entitled um I, yeah. sorry go I, ahead. I mean I, I also i also have to say the whole this whole 
Because, okay, so obviously, like, in the in the same way that, so, like, now we're in it. Now the election is happening. This is the, again, this is the second one. It's like, and it's only going to get, like, uh, faster and more dirty and more awful from here. Like, we were, like, we were, B and I were talking to uh, Phil on the phone uh, late, late last night after the returns came out. Yeah, that was and we a were cute like, middle of the night meeting. Yeah, and we were like, you know, it's, this is going to be, like, we, we're basically, we are, like, on the rails now, mostly, like mm-hmm. not 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 totally there's a lot of agency that we have but like we are we are like on the glide path towards uh whatever <laughs> like whatever is going to happen right and we can influence like yeah and and i and i think even like one of the reasons that we did medicare for all week which like you know you could i i think a lot of them like obviously they're about uh, healthcare and medicare for all but like there you a lot of them if it was just slightly tweaked or something you could you could uh, listen to them as just like things about uh economic inequality right. like uh, problems with like the way that we uh, uh deal with or or don't deal with or, or like a uh, crushed down class mm-hmm. in uh in this country and just how how fucking bad things have gotten under neoliberalism and i think that um the there's going to be and i think this is one of the one of the reasons why you see like that that same wapo exit poll that i was talking about and that right, also right. that uh, shows people uh, favoring single pair uh, also shows that like you know it's a bit neck and neck but that like Pete Buttigieg voters are are like slightly were slightly more likely to respond than like uh bernie voters and those two were the like the top voter uh, the top overall uh, to respond to the exit poll of like oh my priority is beating Donald Trump, right? Or mm-hmm. I want to vote for the person who I think can beat right, Donald Trump. Right, that whole Trump. thing of like, and, sorry. And this thing is like, this, this, we've, you know, we've talked about this as like radical, radical centrism before or whatever, but this, this idea that like sticking to the consensus and not going for big ideas, not going for anything that would meaningfully, meaningfully change uh, people's lives is like so hilariously false, especially when you ignore, first of all, evidence like that of like both exit polls and like, uh, like, every every bit of evidence that we almost ever see is like a plurality mm-hmm. of people do support uh single payer do and especially when people learn about it right uh, when it's explained properly without bias or spin yeah the more people learn right. about it the more people like it and support it and want it and then on top of it you see like month after month after month it's like it's and sometimes quicker it's like very frequent now there are studies constantly coming out that show that it will be cheaper which would which you would think would be like the pragmatic centrist line or whatever right mm-hmm. and and that it would have better health health outcomes so it's like this is it's ridiculous to think that someone like Buttigieg uh, or Klobuchar or whatever are like the pragmatism candidates when it's like no actually like do you do you maybe want to do things that people like that would be good right. for people of course not like, no no it, why it, would we ever want to do that it's almost as if you you have been spending the last 20 years of your life uh jacking off to a deal cycle you um, <laughs> have find that you have some obligations and opinions in common with those on the other ends of the deal and that's all yeah. i'm gonna say about that <laughs> And and Artie, it's it's really worth noting that uh, I think it was it was the uh, Wapo like uh, exit poll uh, about mm-hmm. single payer. They actually didn't ask the question uh, like assholes like they normally do, where they oh, say yeah. like, 
do, do you like you know are you in favor of Bernie stealing your health care? They, they didn't and, say are you are you in favor of uh, Medicare for all and the government taking your children away? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. A government a government doctor coming to your house and injecting your children with things. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. They they asked it. They I think the the phrase was uh, like. Everyone, everyone, all Americans would be on one government-administered healthcare plan. Wow, which, it's amazing which, what happens when you ask a fair question, right? Yeah. Well, and it also, it also just really uh, should tell people that, like, you know, as as sort of like quote unquote neutral as like polls try to be or claim to try to be, uh, <laughs> like the way that you ask a fucking question like affects literally everything. I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's no, but I mean, this is the thing: is that like the idea that the Democrats might want to run somebody like Pete, who's literally running on this idea. Like this was his big thing in the past couple of days is talking about austerity and talking about yeah. the need for like dealing with the deficit. The idea that they want to run someone like that when Trump's budget proposal is like, <laughs> is, is, is scoping out to be like $844 billion in yeah. cuts, the biggest retrenchment of the welfare state in my lifetime, besides TANF uh, in 96, cutting food stamps by 30%. This would be the ma most massive increase in like measurable human poverty and misery in most people's life, certainly in the lifetimes of my students um, yeah. ever. Um, and the idea that you want to run somebody who with a straight who doesn't face, have a clear cut message against it who doesn't, <laughs> doesn't have, have a an clear cut message against it and more Beyond than that, that who's got policies that are practically identical to half the right. things that the Trump administration exactly. themselves yeah. are trying to push forward and, and the idea that this is like what rural voters want are you are you kidding me yeah. why do you think Joe Biden's asset value was overvalued why do you think that that was a political bubble just waiting to burst i want because I, I, he's not talking to people about this stuff I want to I want to uh, talk about this uh, the budget thing actually because I think that this does the 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 argument of like just considering Trump's budget whether it like passes or not or whether they do this or not and the fact that it like has the, the implications that it would have for a potential second Trump term essentially yeah. and where they could get away with it like oh. um, the I, I do I do want to touch uh, I, I do I do want to talk about that largely also because I think this is another really good thing that we have to that everyone has to sell basically that like look if you want mm -hmm. to beat Trump like this is this makes it so that like Sanders is the perfectly positioned just in the same way that like David Sirota fucking like posting on Twitter all the time mm -hmm. about Joe, uh, Joe Biden's like social security cuts, like made it possible for like it, the erosion of uh, Joe Biden's base. <laughs> like I think the same, the same fucking attack strategy, very easy attack strategy to show people receipts basically could be done against Trump. However, I do really want to quickly pause and say, I think it's very ironic with, um, you know, aust austerity, Pete, as you mentioned, with uh, <laughs> Pete promoting austerity, that the the favored. Uh, so, you, you know how people say like it, when 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 people like Chris Matthews are not saying like, oh, oh a Bernie presidency would mean people in Central Park would be executed. People like Chris Matthews would be executed. People. Uh, but people when when people like him are not saying stuff like that. Um, they are often saying like, well, he, he like Bernie Sanders wants us to be like one of those, one of those Nordic European countries. And I think to me, it's like very ironic actually that Pete Buttigieg, the, the pre presumably, I guess the DNC's like preferred candidate at this point, if it's not 
ironically Bloomberg, um, that his policies they haven't gotten together in the smoke filled room yet. But that I'm his sure it will be that his policies are like more like actual Europe and the European Union of like promoting austerity. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right, <laughs> like totally. pressing austerity on like you know components of the overall whole. Um, just you know, just, just wanted to point I mean, that I out. Just wanted, a, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say just a quick fact check that actually the um, most recent James Carville news story is that he's telling people that if the Democratic Party picked Bernie Sanders, it would turn into a cult. Mm. Well, anyway, be going. Sorry. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that like people like James Carville and Chris Matthews and Chuck Todd and whoever else, I don't know, there's dozens of them, you know, they have a vested material interest in maintaining like the hegemony of their sponsors, right? Like their, mm-hmm. their shows have, have ads and those ads are important and the democratic party fits into that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I think, but this is the thing, but I think this is one issue that is just important. This illustrates the importance of driving things forward now because it, it, it will have ripple effects. So like yeah. one of the issues is, the the Democratic Party, Institutional Democratic Party, has gotten used to winning in a particular way. And, and Ryan Grimm's journalism like illustrates this quite well. They've gotten used to be a, being able to win with money from um from finance, from Silicon Valley, and, and they've gotten used to being able to win without um without strong organizations that promote the rights of working people. And like if you look at like Virginia right now. The mm-hmm. Democratic yeah. Party in Virginia killed a uh, a pro-union bill that would have repealed right to work after learning that CEOs, where a survey of CEOs was conducted, they're like, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. we don't want this. And then the Virginia Democratic Party under Ralph Northam, blackface Ralph Northam, yeah. um, uh, <laughs> like pulled, pulled away from it. So, I mean, you can't trust the party to like, update its preferences or update its beliefs about how you win things um, because uh, or on their own, because they, they have like a death drive. They don't understand that you really uh, have a possibility of like winning elections by bringing out uh, unions and by actually doing things that materially improve people's lives. Um, They, they're going to have to be taught this. And the Mm -hmm. way that you teach this is that you embarrass them so fully and so thoroughly that yeah, some people do lose their jobs uh, or other people like quickly remake themselves in a different mold uh, because Mm -hmm. they see the possibility of tapping into this new um, like vein of, of support for uh, policies that are say emancipatory. Should we, um, (laughs) should, would it be worth going, um, over the way that the, um, Trump budget cuts would affect healthcare specifically? Just be thinking of like Artie's point that, um, Bernie is probably like best poised to actually combat this because he's made healthcare such an, like the number one issue in his campaign. No, I mean, I think like the, the Virginia example is kind of like a good uh, way to sort of get into talking into some of the more specifics of the budget. Cause like what I was saying about like, you know, uh, James Carville or, or Chris Matthews or Chris Hayes or like who the fuck ever is that they have like a vested interest in like maintaining advertiser relationships. So like they are not going to be the people to hammer home uh, social security issues or the the things that Mayor Pete would do to Medicaid if he were elected or that, frankly, Amy, the uh, Klobu train would do. The club kid. Yeah, the club kid yeah. would do if she were elected. You know, it, it's um, 
I think it's worth stating that, like, you know, we cannot rely on these, uh, you know, verified blue check figures, right, to be um, pushing this line of questioning. And, like, it is our job as, like, constituents and voters and human beings working towards like a better life collectively for everyone to be pushing these issues ourselves unfortunately because there's not really anyone out there with more authority who's going to be doing it at this point also most people aren't going to listen like no one actually cares what james carville thinks anymore i think people do no no but i feel the people the people who do care are like the people who we're not going to reach anyway i don't know about that because i do Mm -hmm. feel like that there are a lot of people who um are working three jobs and don't really have the uh, like wherewithal or time or like access to anything different, right? Like there are people that are, you know, blue collar workers who are in their late fifties who would probably vote for Ver- Bernie Sanders if he were talked about differently. But why would why would those people care what James Carville thinks? But I mean, let, can but, I can I be can I be the raging Yinzer for a second? Yeah, like, do it. it doesn't matter if it's James Carville or if it's. Uh, Michael Bennett, or if it's a- any of these, any of yeah, these, Klein, Nira Tandon, like it does, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, what all, matters is what matters is this president, this budget, this approach to politics is gonna is about it is about creating a such a stark picture where people are uh, poor, where people don't have access to uh, food stamps, where People don't have uh, health care. Uh, and, and the point is not just about depriving them of those things. It's not just about like cutting the budget. It's not just about giving tax cuts to like the wealthiest 0.01 of 1%. It's about making people feel that there is nothing that they can do. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no political like possibility. And if yeah. you fail to like really hit on this, this sort of like Trump budget and like clearly distinguish what your political movement is doing from what is contained in these pages, which is a, I mean, frankly, dystopian vision, like all Republican budgets going back to like Ronald Reagan are like dystopian visions, visions in one way or another, um, for reasons that are, you know, too, too detailed to like specify here, but like (laughs) this one's really dystopian. Um, if you don't have something else, if you don't have something that's clearly, even you could say utopian to offer people, um, you will, you more or less like l- mm-hmm. take your hands off the wheel. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think also like, uh, you know, like, like you're saying, Phil, like offering something that, that actually is different, that is noticeably different, that if you are the kind of person who works three jobs, doesn't have a lot of fucking time to pay attention to politics, can, can, you know, just hear somebody talking about, you know, like their plan in one way and and what Trump's doing in another way and so easily understand why and how those are radically different visions for like the future and which one, you know, it which one is the obvious choice to sort of get behind. Like, you know, I think that uh, is like worth noting, you know, that 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 that's just like an asset that no other fucking candidate has. One uh, talking point um, about the, this budget cut that they're trying to push is that it's going to end the opioid epidemic. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, it's like really, Oh, so massively cutting uh, Medicaid and Medicare is going to 
end the opioid yeah you know how you end the opioid epidemic (laughs) i guess yeah gang you know how you end it you just um you make sure that anyone that ever ods dies and doesn't have a chance of survival and there you go is that the the klobuchar plan yeah it's a mass extinction event it also (laughs) solves climate change and um you know it solves a housing uh supply side issues yeah without having to do some big structural change like lefty liz warren (laughs) like you know uh, incentivizing private companies to get involved in public housing. Mm-hmm. No, we just got to kill all of the poor people. Not kill them. Let them um, succumb to nature. Choke them out, basically, is yeah, the, is I mean, the Trump idea. If yeah. you look at, like, uh, Pete or the and Pete idea, actually. Amy's... Yeah. Not just um, yeah, it's The NPR I, idea. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, if you look... And uh, it's, like... If you look at, like, Pete and Amy's plans, right... Um, let's talk about mental health and gun violence for a second. Sure. How about that? Um, Mm -hmm. do you know what they want to do? No. They want to institutionalize people with mental illness mandatorily. Pete and Amy both? Yeah. There is, uh, there are components in both of their, like, uh, gun safety plans, which involve things that the, um, Trump administration has also proposed. Yeah. Um, which would involve, like, beyond background checks, beyond like barring people with certain convictions or certain diagnoses from um, being able to buy a gun. They also would like to um, take anyone that they deem based on their criteria to be a risk to themselves and involuntarily institutionalize them. Yeah. Which is not something that we have done in the United States since, oh, I don't know, like the 90s. Yeah. You know, really. So it's not like we have a really good track record on not doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think that like we have, um, you know, both a Republican Party willing to go there and uh, a Democratic establishment that's willing to go there as well. I'm really glad that every time I go on uh, Twitter.com, I uh, get (laughs) manic mood swings. And then I every time I take a personality poll, which I do all the time, (laughs) I get a really fucking wacky personality profile. And I'm really glad that all the big data companies are assembling a personality profile of me and probably millions of other people that they could whip out at any time to justify things like that. So that you can get targeted by Bloomberg ads. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm sure that like to be totally honest like charlie events and i would probably at some point uh fall under the criteria of being involuntarily institutionalized if we continue right. the way that we're going well and i think i think don't this blow is up my of, spot I'm trying, to, <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to be stealthier yeah no you're you've got you've got, trying to clear the bernie slack no you're yeah. like the three Let of us are live. medicalized you've got your adhd meds and you know like un, in, i'm a chucky doll <laughs> yeah. and i'm just broken like uh under certain like the, under the T4 program, all three of us would have been, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, you know, this speech just did a um, decapitation gesture. Yeah. Uh, for this, those at home. This, uh, <laughs> Thank you. This, this sort of like willful uh, human immiseration for its own sake really sounds like uh, sounds like what's just going on now. I mean, yeah, like, well, yeah. But it could Go be ahead. ramped up. It could be better. I mean, well, as Rand Paul <laughs> said this week, there could be more data in it. You know, the though, as Rand Paul said, you know, this is like a problem. We have a spending problem in the United States. We are a addicted to spending. Rand Paul said, and he said, the meat of spending is entitlements, and you've got to have a little guts to be willing to look at it. Yeah. 
So they're positioning themselves as not only um, morally superior and intellectually more together than the people who are on these addictive entitlement programs, but they also are, are, are branding themselves as brave for having the balls to, to dare cut To look at reality as well, it really yeah, because, is. Because right. the main moral rhetoric of the 1990s and early 2000s was the deficit rhetoric. That was the way that you proved that you were somehow like a moral person yeah. in Washington. But now right. what should be clear is that that rhetoric is the rhetoric of people who want to kill poor people. They want to yeah. kill people with disabilities and right. they want to kill people with addictions. This and, is literally and with addictions. like, so yeah. it's like, it just don't have any regard for human life. And like, this is why, this is why the sort of mobilization of millions of people matters because right. these people have to be, I, I don't want to use the word. They have to be, Go for Just it. Phil. Systematically Go for removed. It. They have to be systematically yes. removed from politics. They need to never have a career in politics Absolutely. again. They need to go their merry way into the wilderness forever. Right. Because for like all of the centrist candidates or whatever, for example, mm-hmm. like all the like uh, you know, it's not just like people who are uh, currently in power, but all the people who like want to be in power. The the, uh, you know, again, the like pragmatic, practical side of the Democratic Party or whatever that is so vaunted in, in the media and amongst uh, incredibly, frankly, small minded people. But like for those, you know, if you have people in your life, for example, who you're talking to, who say like, oh, you're worried about Sandra's progressive agenda or something like that, like very simple thing to say to you, which is one, anyone who's a centrist, like you're not only you're abetting all the things that we like just said, you're basically saying that like, it, like if you, if you, uh, if you, if, if we elect a centrist Democrat, essentially what we're, we are going to get is like, not all, but a bunch of the things that Trump is currently doing that you're so upset about and you listen to your like little late night shows about Stephen Colbert calling him a Cheeto and like making fart jokes or whatever about how Trump sucks. All the stuff that he's doing that you get upset about, all the things that you yell at your TV about, like he's going like the any of these centrist candidates are going to also continue to do for the most part, one. Mm-hmm. And for and for two, like the the quote unquote progressive agenda or whatever is probably just like ultimately like if Sanders gets in as as president he's going to do all the stuff that you probably thought Obama was doing or that, that he you had, thought already that he existed right like this yeah. is the thing that I constantly run up against where people just assume that because I am as sick as I am that my needs are just met. And they're like, they also assume that because I'm as sick as I am, if the United States is super fucked up, then I can, um, or if I get denied healthcare here, that I can like move to Sweden. But we're the greatest country in the history of the world, B. Also, like, we're not the only ones with public charge rules. Yeah. Already. I mean, this, right. is, the, this like, is actually. I would just... not be allowed in another country because I am a, I wouldn't be allowed in the Netherlands as an immigrant because I am a healthcare burden on their system, which is I'm about really, to implode. I'm really glad that you brought that up, B, because I think this is something that gets. This this is really this is misunderstood because there's this idea that like people have a very low level of trust in institutions. People are really mad at the people who rule them. And and there's just this like there's this fervor, this fever, this anger. People also have an completely unreasonable trust in institutions that aren't working. I've canvassed on sort of like lead in, in the water in Milwaukee. And when I ask people, like, do you know what the city's doing about this? People will often say like, oh, yeah, I'm sure that they're doing something. Right. Are they filming? No, no, they're not. 
They're not. Yep. They have they have what they call like a like a fifty year plan or something like that. It's like we're all we will all be dead. We, <laughs> we will have all a five hundred year plan. Like like yeah. we, you, you know the way things are like this is a moral issue now. So but but people do have a cartoonish view of like oh yeah of course like no one's gonna let somebody starve or die in the street like yes they will. Yes, they absolutely will. What They're doing do you it think right now. I did it yesterday. Yeah. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't going to read a Lauren Berlant quote, um, but it just like <laughs> yes. But we've um, driven you to it. But I think you could say that Berlant, like Berlant, bro. I'm just trying to stay on on Berlant. Ber, I was gonna make a Berlant brand. Ber, Berlant, Berlant, bro. Um, Berbrand, bro. Anyway, sorry. Go for um, it. Fuck you, Amy Klobuchar. Uh, sorry. Uh, but I feel like what we're seeing is just like what. Uh, what we're seeing is sort of just like how difficult it is for people to like psychically disengage with what they think their fantasy of like the good life is. Mm-hmm. Um, for So Lauren Berlant would say that's an instance of cruel optimism, which is to quote, a relation of cruel optimism exists when something you desire is actually an obstacle to your flourishing. Yes. It may, it may involve food or a kind of love. It may be a fantasy of the good life or a political project asterisks on that. Uh, it may rest on something <laughs> simpler too, like a new habit that promises to induce in you an improved way of being. These kinds of optimistic relation are not inherently cruel. They become cruel only when the object that draws your attachment actively impedes the aim that brought you into it initially. Mm. I oh, mean, that's Marie kind of the Kondo. thesis of Speak our goop episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, the thing is like, okay, um, where we're at right now, right? Like, Phil, would I be allowed to move to Canada with my healthcare costs? Do you think? Uh, Do you think Canada would take me? I, I'm not familiar with their current uh, policies, but the thing would it would be a very special treat for you if it, they let you in. Yeah, yeah, it would be. I would say one of the rarest immigration stories I've ever heard because everyone I've ever know who's known who's attempted to um, emigrate for healthcare reasons has had to uh, hide their diagnosis in order to get permission or a visa. Mm-hmm. So. Um, telling me to move to Canada or to move to Sweden or Netherlands or Denmark or France or Germany or literally anywhere else um, as an alternative to passing Medicare for all is not a thing that you should be telling the sick people in your life. Just FYI, if you're listening to this, just saying. Pretty sure that none of our listeners are sort of like on that trip, but uh, um, there have been the listeners. Ex- there have been listeners. A very personal grievance. There here, have I been think, listeners so who have suggested that I move to other countries. Actually. No, then I would miss you so much. Well, they wouldn't let me in, so you're good <laughs> yeah, to go. People, yeah. Yeah. people have a serious, but There's it's interesting no way because, out. <laughs> because as a way of comforting themselves or like reconciling themselves to the the misery of the present, like people do, there are they're able to come up with any number of of like right. outs. To right. maintain their relationship of cruel optimism to their fantasy. Exactly. Yes, right. exactly. <laughs> Can I just add one last Berlant footnote? Sure. Which is that I think like, <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I think part of why this project, whatever, part of why that point is like powerful for me is because it is like people will continue their ideological commitments well beyond the, like there being any material justification for totally. it. Yes, so you can just keep so immiserate, immiserating people and immiserating them. And, and I was talking with a friend this weekend about how feeling like nothing new happened during the Trump era. It was just an intensification of horrible things that already existed. And you exactly. can keep, you can keep that feeling of, uh, Immiseration, but it, but it's so hard to admit that like your fantasy of what you think the world is and what you think 
uh, life should be is like fucking wrong. Um, well, just thinking I, of the brain grooves that Phil mentioned earlier. Anyway, we can <laughs> totally, no, we can, totally. We can but move I on think, to Nevada anyway. But I just wanted. To I mean, know. I think I don't know for like as like a mental exercise. If you think about like if you are somebody who is like uh, perhaps of the boomer persuasion, um, and like you you haven't like reevaluated any of your like political beliefs and like then you're definitely not listening to this (laughs) yeah that's fair but like do do you know what i mean like if you like can you imagine being the kind of person who like came to their political beliefs like or or a set of beliefs right or or their idea of like of the world at like 20 years old and then like has been operating like under you know like that uh like assumption for for that amount of time and then like not thinking that like it that they have, I don't know, required any reevaluation at all. Like sure. that, that's an, that's an insane. Sure. sure Vince, I can. Vince, don't that's, you know, it's a very cishet way, age way of relating to the world. <laughs> no, think about, I mean, which I'm like joking about, but actually like, I feel actually like, kind of not, but I, I know yeah. seriously. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, uh, uh, if you don't have a, for instance, a tradition of transcestors, transestry, and which, <laughs> which literally means it's like, means that like you are like coming in contact with like younger people right. fairly right. often, or like it just happens and like you're constantly having to like reevaluate your beliefs. Like I feel like I'm, you know, already like out of the loop at like 27. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if that were more normal, like if it were more normal, uh, and maybe it could be with different gender norms in the future. Mm-hmm. No, totally. I mean, it's so funny because like it's, um, you know, if you are of that generation, let's say you were let's say you are like uh, a boomer, but you think you thought like us when you were younger, like you have experienced or you think you thought like us or you think you thought like us. Right. You've experienced like a lifetime of political disappointments. Right. And a narrowing of the realm of like political possibility that has gotten increasingly smaller year after year after year with like increasingly large corporate interests and uh, out of control income inequality and stagnant wages and rising home prices. And why would you ever possibly think that anything would change after that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I like feel like maybe like a year ago, um, it was like a kind of like a joke on Twitter to talk about mm. um, the like, oh my God, like the Bush years are going to become like the new hot topic for like... Oh, the nostalgia, yeah. Not, not even like nostalgia, but just like taken as like a serious topic of like uh, academic and like aesthetic research. Like I feel mm-hmm. like it has it and it's like just hitting the sort of like culture content cycle like I feel mm-hmm. like people are talking starting to talk about like what are like you know Clintonite aesthetics Oof. what are just like uh, we should make a NAFTA sweatshirt as death panel merch just <laughs> yeah actually <laughs> that's a really sorry. good idea I mean <laughs> I, sure. I think like I think I like I don't know whatever this is sort of like maybe too meta and feel free to cut it but I just think I'm like I feel like I sort of like really miss the boat a little on sort of just like oh liberalism is kind of like a huge political force in our lives and in a, because I was so focused on sort of like conservatism and how that's just like so obviously right. bad and it reminds mm-hmm. me of this quote from my professor in infrastructure class this week because I am a grad student <laughs> um, <laughs> just talking about how like part of how infrastructure functions is that it is like really boring. Mm-hmm. Like if it's effective, yes. you, it's cause you don't have to think about it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. because your roads just work because there haven't been They're like not full of potholes. Yeah. They yeah. haven't because the budget for them hasn't been like slashed by the Trump budget cut. But I think that's sort of just like, I'm like, Oh, maybe this is part of why I sort of like 
missed the boat on really thinking about how like the DNC and liberalism is just like a big political force because it's so boring. Right. And I feel like I feel like I'm really having to like take stock of how like the sheer uh, the, the power of the sort of aesthetic boringness and cultural boringness that they project like it actively disengages people and i think anyway i don't anyway i think it goes anyway well not to bring up medicare for all week again but like when i sat down with ryan Grimm, one of the things that he was saying is that you know he he wrote this book we we got people where he sort of analyzed the the changes in the um sort of style of organizing and and language and messaging of the democratic establishment from like the uh, mid 80s through now through 2016. Mm-hmm. And like one of the things that he's saying is that there was like a clear shift in priorities from like um, helping people to maintaining power. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that the you know, the priority now is to maintain power and nothing else. And they're operating on this idea where if they just hold on to it long enough to reclaim this like mystic majority. Right. Mm-hmm. That they can fix everything after. And he's like he was like, you know, it's like not that they're all inherently evil. It's just that they're wrong. You right. know, yeah. <laughs> they're just wrong. And we've been letting them try for four decades and it's time to let someone else try. Well, they're scared and they're wrong. And 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 like, you know, inherently when you're like, you know, constantly sort of like operating from this place of like uh, uh, fear and loss, like you're not going to make good decisions, you know, like. Right. And it's funny because it's like it's so funny that you brought up um, transestry, Charlie, because it's like it, it reminds me of like the argument against um, non-binary pronouns. Well, it's not in the MLA handbook. It's not like yeah. g- grammatically correct. Like totally that that that's used as like the excuse um, to to defend like being uncomfortable with trying to like understand like uh, multiple gender identity. <laughs> you know totally. I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think just like because it's so like because it's more obvious in a way to clock the person who's just like i don't think you should exist i hate you you're like it's easy to miss the person who's just like oh yeah nominally i'm gonna say it's fine for you exist but actually because of this like weird nyt style guide you're not a technicality yeah But I really yeah. wanted you to have the right to exist, but I, I just, it's not going to work out. <laughs> right. Too bad. And right. that's exactly the trade off that we've had with like conservatives and neoliberalism. No, that's just a really, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a good point because I think the, this is the sort of, the sort of sentiment that I'm, I'm really hoping will pass away is like, yeah, you know, I'm really sorry. I didn't do that. Uh, kind of unfortunate. It didn't work out. Uh, but you know, yeah. I really felt that way, but I'm, but I wasn't really willing to, do, Put anything do on the, the line amount of, for it. Do the amount of yeah. requisite work uh, required. It's like we're done with. We should be done with that sentiment. Yeah. That, I if there's to, a revolution in sentiments that needs to occur, it's like that. May that sentiment just pass away. It yeah. is literally the logic of like, oh, I wanted to end the opioid crisis, but instead I just cut every social service that was would have helped end the <laughs> exactly. opioid crisis. Right. Well, right. Exactly. Because I knew. But but the but the, wouldn't the logic be because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to get enough to end the opioid crisis, yeah. so instead yes. I just decided to save money in the other direction. Yes. Right. Or, 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 again, or again, change the reporting. The thing of like, oh well, you know, we don't we don't want this to like reflect bad on, badly on us. We don't want to we don't want it to look like we have a, an opioid crisis here, or like you know, we don't want to look <laughs> like there's a lot of crime. So instead, what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna misclassify these things and put right, it off right, the right. books, basically, so that we can say that we did better on paper like on the on yeah. the numbers or whatever right. but meanwhile people are just getting immiserated no I and mean, that is but i think that is the uh response to this is that like 
it is this it is the serious and professional gesture to say that things are not going to happen. You will probably be right most of the time. Um, Dylan Matthews from Vox, sometimes known as Chaotic Dylan, uh, had, a, had a tweet today that was like... Um, I like it was that like, that's a thing now. He, he, the tweet was something like, uh, you know, how do these people think Medicare for All is going to happen? They think that there's going to be a general strike? Do, do you know any people that would do that for Medicare for All? And I was like, well, you Actually, I'm like, but, but, but I think that that's a couple thousand of them, maybe, <laughs> let me, let me introduce to you to my podcast, but that, that is the sort of, but that is like the general, um, that is the general sentiment is to just, uh, you know, say, uh, these things are going to be very hard and rather being, rather than being intellectually curious or asking about how things are possible, you simply admit that they're hard yeah, and yeah. you walk away, wash your hands of it. And like history will judge you. For yes. your, uh, for, sure. for your indifference to this, for well, your indifference to suffering. Listen, I, oh, go ahead. B. And I'd just like to point out that, um, if my, if my doctors did that, right, <laughs> that would be medical negligence and a crime. Yeah. Right. So that's all. That's just my point. And if I writers think, yeah. at Vox did that, they wouldn't have had it. They wouldn't have, have a union. Okay. Right. So yeah. like, <laughs> like, all right, Dylan. Yeah. yeah. So I think. We have basically like we're we're coming up on uh, primaries and caucuses, uh, mostly primaries that are going to like be coming a lot faster. Um, we have in Nevada uh, on February 22nd, we'll have the caucus. Also, there's going to be actually like early voting starting on Friday mm-hmm. um, for that. Uh, also, South the Carolina is, is the 19th. Yeah, South Carolina. Well, more specifically, I want to I want to talk about like the next um the next couple events. of events. Yeah. Uh, cause I, I want to get, I want to get us to like weigh in on those a little bit because so we like Nevada's coming up, obviously. Um, then South Carolina is also, uh, February 29th, right at the end of the month. And also happens to be, um, also early voting for that starts on Thursday. So people are actively this week, uh, in both States going to be starting to make up their minds, uh, and doing that stuff if they haven't already. Um, so I thought that we would be interesting to just, uh, chat for a little bit about that. Um, knowing that for example, uh, I think like Pete's numbers are really bad in, uh, Nevada. The the reports Um, I've heard from Nevada on Pete is that he hasn't been the, 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 the large like Latino organizations or Latinx organizations in Nevada have basically said, we haven't heard from the P campaign at all. He's completely right. underwater well, there. But so, today he tweeted in Spanish about Medicare yeah, okay. for all who want it. Yeah. yeah. So and, yep. and he, he didn't even check that box. He had the I consultants tell him that's all And then still in English do. was Medicare for all who want it. Yeah, uh, I love Ryan Gerstreet. That, like, that was like, you could have just said like paratotos. Yeah. Like. But like, um, I think that, so I mean, I just want to, I don't, I don't want us to like prognosticate exactly, but I do think like, for example, actually during like while events or while returns were actively rolling in, for New Hampshire, we were getting a lot of uh, questions actually in the Discord about like uh, what we thought things looked like um, both in Nevada and in South Carolina. So I thought we could talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit. Yeah, should we go ahead and and talk about that? Uh, I mean, like uh, when we were hanging in the Discord last night, there were a lot of people that uh, were sort of curious, like, well, does uh, winning New Hampshire and Iowa sort of predict anything? And the answer is like, not really. Right. Yeah. We're just getting started. 
Um, and like we did earlier in the episode, talk about the it was actually the culinary union, not the like restaurant workers union, who's like yeah. putting out um, false information starting yesterday about Medicare for all taking away union insurance. Um, so what I think we see right now is that like so Mayor Pete um, obviously won uh, delegates and votes close to Bernie in two states that are predominantly all white. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, his numbers with, um, with any non-white people, people of color are, are not amazing. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that we can actually honestly necessarily expect a repeat in um, the layout. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that unrealistic? Do you guys think like I don't totally imagine um like Biden being able to come back from this. I think like honestly what the New York Times did to Warren um, by equating her to Amy Klobuchar is probably the reason why she's not doing well right <laughs> one now. Of the biggest, they, one, one of the, the biggest, reasons, but. biggest uh, just sort of moral equivalence is just really, really terrible. But also right. like, I, I, I think that there's, um, I just, they, yeah. they, they bon- they they took their one moment to highlight one person to all of the like libs that read them and they just completely boned it. <laughs> they undermined any momentum. Yeah. The Iowa caucus did. Well, I mean, like, yeah. yeah, exactly. They it's fucked just, it up. They it's Iowa caucus so did. How complete, like everybody at the time in the moment was like, ugh, you guys suck. And then right. like, Ever since then, it's just continually been like, oh, wait, oh, God, they fucked it up like this. Oh, God. They but, fucked but, it. Honestly, but, but honestly, I remember when we were talking about this, like mm-hmm. uh, when the endorsement came out and it's like the New York Times is a, a branding company trying to advertise their trend forecasting skills. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. they mm-hmm. yeah, they were probably just like like they sort of have like played a part in creating Amy Klobuchar as this media sensation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that now like I don't know I just feel like it's worth pointing out like they're reminding ourselves of like their like anyway sorry worth reminding of ourselves of the New York Times uh investment in Amy Klobuchar's narrative which they have like set up from the endorsement so it's like in a way yeah. they've like fumbled it but in a way they haven't because they tried to start a new story and it now it is a new story right. so well, I don't after- think they fumbled it I think that they undermined Liz Warren for sure yeah. like I, I know that there are a lot of people like which to be fair she did a lot to undermine she has done a right, lot to undermine herself right. but and I and I'm like I obviously uh do not have like a second choice or a second favorite in any capacity but I do think it is like you know, like in a lot of the people that we talk to for Medicare for All Week do say that, like, you know, especially people in D.C., like they do think that, like, there is a point where, like, Liz Warren started listening to consultants more than she was listening to her own political ideology. And Mm -hmm. then, like, for the New York Times to then step in and essentially equate her policy platform, which to be charitable is, like, way better than anything Klobuchar will ever put together in her entire lifetime. Like if we want to just talk disability rights for a second, the fact that the New York times like equated the two of them is just really like an obvious, uh, like fact to me that they don't give a shit about either of their plans. They are talking about identity, electability Mm -hmm. and the narrative that they want to sell, not like a plan a, a personality, a movement, not anything that would be good for America in their opinion. It is no. What story do we want to tell? We want to tell the story of like a white woman winning the election. Period. Yeah. 
was the well, story they wanted to tell four years well, ago. And, and to be and to be really uh, to be really extra clear too about what one of the things B's talking about is that like um, the so obviously you know we've we've done a like whole episode about it, but obviously like so the the Bernie Sanders like disability rights uh, platform is like but far and away like head and shoulders above anything else in the uh race right now but obviously a lot of anything else that's ever been proposed before there are a lot of people Mm -hmm. who have uh said a lot of really positive things about warren's plan and it is certainly uh warren's plan is uh again not not in the same realm nearly as bernie's but it It should be the bare minimum yeah yeah, it is obviously better than like uh pete's or amy's or whatever and amy's plan is basically the same as like frank frankly the same as like the trump agenda almost um but uh, one, I think one of the things that B is referencing specifically with bringing up disability in this context is that um, one of the things that we were seeing actually that I think I, I think a lot of people, especially uh, I don't know, I think most of the media and, and the left too, like missed is that there actually were a bunch of people, it seems, um, in New Hampshire who were. Uh, going out and doing canvassing for like disability rights advocacy, mm-hmm. who were actually co-canvassing for Bernie and for Warren. Bernie and Warren, which so, is interesting. I may have my so, beefs with disability Twitter, and they may not like me very much because I am a Bernie supporter. Um, but at least, like, I have proven myself to like have the priorities of the disability community in mind over the past year, right? So I've like earned mm-hmm. some tacit respect from them in terms of like just pushing like the policy angle. And, you know, uh, with the work that we did on Andrew Yang. So so like it's been really interesting to see. And I have not seen this covered at all in the media, but I have seen a lot of people organizing on Twitter to um, collaborate with childcare, with accessible transportation, with um, going and uh, doing canvassing together. And you saw a lot of like disabled people and their families like working with other disabled people who are Warren supporters to go out and do it together and going out specifically on their canvassing on their disability rights platforms and their healthcare plans. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there is a huge part of the disability rights community that are major Warren stands, right? She is a special ed teacher. Like they like her. She's maternal, like whatever. And if I were them right now, I would be fucking pissed at the Democratic establishment because they have thrown Warren under the bus. They've used to, her. They've used her. They've used very her to leverage Pete. Yeah. And, well, and even worse, she has she went along with it. Right. And too. and to be mm-hmm. to be frankly honest like, at this lame. point, like I see like a great opportunity for Warren supporters to sort of unite with Bernie supporters on a policy angle alone, because if we look at what uh, anyone else is proposing, like we are fucked, right? Yeah, it's no better mm-hmm. than having Trump elected. Well, and I guess that, and mainly, it's like that's that's ultimately the choice, right? If you're like a Warren supporter at this point, like things are not looking good, and I understand. Like, there's a lot of like it, it's interesting because you see a lot of people. Uh, doing the immediate reaction of like, oh, well, there, there's a lot of the, you know, like uh, uh, Warren is being erased or whatever from the from the narrative that a bunch of like a, a lot of them are, are like lashing out right now. And I get it like I get lashing out. But at the end of the day, like you, you gotta you gotta come with us. You got like right. you, you gotta come over to, to Bernie because like if you if they go anywhere else, like clearly we saw that like I was I was hoping that um a bunch of people who who fled from Biden would go to Bernie 
uh, right. because mm-hmm. simply because he was like emerging as the front runner and that like uh, people would just really have that interest of like, you know, I don't really I'm voting for Biden because I don't really fucking care who it is. I just want to make sure that they can beat Donald Trump. And there was a lot of like, I think, really effective messaging um, and through like through like polls and re- and like results showing that like Bernie like is the most likely currently to actually beat Donald Trump or whatever mm-hmm. that I thought that like people would uh, funnel into that. But it seems like successfully uh, like Buttigieg and Klobuchar campaigns captured those at least in the first two contests. Right. right. I mean, I so, think there's two types of Warren voters. You have the electability voters and you have the issue voters. Right. And I don't think that there's necessarily a ton of overlap between those two things. And what the Democratic establishment has done with Pete and Amy is they have um, they have opened the door for the electability voters to abandon Warren because really Mm -hmm. that's all they care about at the end of the day. Right. And we saw that. I think that's like that post um, thing we were talking about earlier with people saying like, oh, I prefer a candidate that beats Trump to one that I ideologically align with, which is like whatever. I can't even address that. But, you know, it's like Pete's um, Pete's taking the electability voters and Amy are taking the electability voters and they are just like leaving the issue voters out in the cold. Mm -hmm. They're not even making an attempt to to do outreach to the people who support Elizabeth Warren based on issues. And to me, that just shows that like the Democratic establishment fundamentally, one doesn't appreciate Liz Warren. And also mm-hmm. does not see her issue-based voters as a legitimate constituency that they should be pandering to. That's a great point. You or, know what I mean? Or, like, you know, by all accounts, like, the Democratic Party thinks sort of, like, you know, they think that they think very strategically, right? And, like, they've decided that those issue voters are are not gettable, you know? Mm-hmm. They've kind of just gone ahead and been like... Or not worth it. Right, right. Or not big enough or well, not... Uh, you know, influential enough or, you know, without enough sort of like money that can be sucked out of them. Like they just they just think that it's like not worth their time to go after those people. Well, and, which- and, and probably to their to ultimately to their detriment. I mean, if you look at actually so, you know, uh, again, I guess, you know, we're not so much talking about South Carolina. Like maybe th- think of this as like something that uh, could be very helpful, uh, whether you're, you know, going to go canvas in Nevada or South, Nevada or South Carolina or like whatever, or just in terms of like how you start thinking about this. And also in terms of how you start, maybe even like the way that we, the way that we approach and talk to Warren, uh, people now that they're kind of in the dumps, they're like kind of, they're down They're hurt. Like we don't need to punch down on them right now. No. Basically, you know what I mean? Uh, much, whatever. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting actually in terms of like the issue voters, I think this is, this is what I mean when like, I think that to some extent, some of the inconsistencies, uh, and, and that stuff that we were talking about with the, like, you know, welcoming the consultant class a little bit with Warren in this trying to bridge the divide between the like centrist Pete side and the, and the like Sanders side or whatever of the democratic party, or like, not that those are sides even of the same coin, almost just that it's mm-hmm. a, you know, those two blocks that do exist. Um, it's interesting cause actually, you know, not to go back to this exit poll again, but like, for people, uh, people, for people who were asked, uh, for that question about like, uh, how do you feel about replacing all private insurance with, uh, Medicare for all single payer model, um, Sanders, like Sanders, who again, won New Hampshire clearly has, uh, clearly has the, 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 the people who are the issue voters on that Mm -hmm. 39% said, uh, they support that, um, of the, of the, 
people that they surveyed in the uh, in the exit poll. Um, you know, I would almost think even think that it would be higher. I'm not, but like you know, whatever. I'll like I'll take it. It's head and shoulders above. It's literally double the support of any of the other candidates. Literally more Pete Buttigieg people said that they supported single payer than Warren people did in this. Literally thirteen percent said mm-hmm. uh, of Warren people said that they supported replacing private insurance with a Medicare for all single payer model. And, um, but then, uh, in, in contrast, actually in, in actually very helpful, uh, uh, results from this, uh, only 4% said that they actually opposed it as opposed to like, you know, maybe 22% of Buttigieg people said that they support single payer, but then, uh, 31% said they explicitly oppose it, uh, of Buttigieg's mm-hmm. people. So right. the fact that like, it seems like actually on, on like this issue, for example, Warren has, kind of weak support actually from people who are like single pair is is like important to me mm-hmm. but also has has a lot of people who are not averse to it mm-hmm. necessarily mm-hmm. yeah right? totally right and i mean it's like back back to your point from like very early in the episode about the group chat charlie but it's like you know um i think there are two candidates here who uh at all care about people not dying Right. Um, one of them went with the establishment and was consistently undermined. And um, I think to me that shows that the establishment does not care about voters who don't want to die as their primary <laughs> yeah. uh, issue. I mean, right now it seems like the establishment strategy is to be like either um, Mike Bloomberg will buy the presidency for himself. Yeah. And He's already doing us, his best. Or... If you take all of um, the club kids voters <laughs> and you stack them on top of all of Pete's voters, then you get one single uh, presidential candidate uh, voter body in a, a suit. Right. And, and in a trench coat. In a trench coat with yep. a top hat on top. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and maybe um, that could be our candidate. And then if you put that on top of Mike Bloomberg... <laughs> But you gotta put Bloomberg on the top. He's oh, like yeah. the head of the, the like, Chinese I'm the tip dragon. of the pyramid. Yeah. yeah, this is like a Chinese New Year celebration. Bloomberg's in the little head, right? And the, the DNC doesn't have any money anymore, so they're just yeah. hopping under the body of the dragon, hoping to just be able to continue forward, because they, if you look at everyone's fundraising, right, the only person raising money other than Trump is Bernie Sanders. Right. Like, yeah. Also, um, it's yeah, that's we did. We haven't had a chance to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about Bloomberg uh, to a at like in in greater length in a in a in an episode You're coming in up a soon. Very special episode. And I, yeah, I'll just I think, say, like you know, like Warren people, if you want ammunition against Pete, become a patron and listen to that episode because we've got some great points you can adopt. So anyway, don't listen to, don't listen to our our really anti Warren episode. <laughs> just go back to the Pete one. No, listen to all the anti Warren episodes. There are a lot of them. We're we're not fans we of a lot of her points. policy, but it turns out we've actually like read uh, what's on her website. So if you haven't done that, maybe listen to to Damn, us. Thanks. Sorry, anyway, I was really trying to coalition build, but yeah, whatever. Okay. I'll, I'll cut around it or something. Anyway, my point being, so I was trying to make this point about Bloomberg, which is like the yeah. funniest thing about this thing about Bloomberg and fundraising. Um, is that like, uh, and not, I mean, sorry, not, not, not fundraising, but like Bloomberg and, um, the amount of money that he's pouring into this race, like not only on ads, but also in, 
like making sure that they're hiring like all these people who are jumping ship from failed campaigns, et cetera. Um, the, the funniest thing to me about this deal with the devil that possibly is happening with the, the DNC and Bloomberg, yeah. if that's, if that's what's going on, uh, or, or whatever, at the very least they're like, you know, it seemed to be welcoming the, the late entry to yeah. the race or whatever. Um, though it's worth noting for our listeners that like, uh, Bloomberg won't be on the ballot anywhere until super Tuesday. So yeah. we don't have to worry about that immediately. However, what really sucks is, um, what really sucks for you know, things like the DNC and which is like effectively like, you know, the, the, the radical centrists shooting themselves (laughs) in their, like in their own foot is, uh, the fact that like, where do people often go when they leave, uh, like where, where do the people that they, that Bloomberg is hiring now typically go when they, uh, fall off of, or, you know, let go from, uh, failed campaigns. Often they go to, work for or run campaigns for smaller offices, which are the th- one of the things that are like, uh, like should be a priority of the democratic mm-hmm. establishment right now is like making sure that we have a lot of campaign. Like, you know, if I were Tom Perez or something, I would be making sure that we like win a bunch of house seats or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or, and, and like, you know, and if, again, if I'm Tom Perez, like, and, and specifically do so in like trying to fill them with centrists or something like that. Um, (laughs) and what's, and what is, what's, you know, so ironic is if Bloomberg is kind of like, you know, jumping in and, uh, like sucking up all this talent, both, both bleeding out, like people talk a lot about bleeding out the other candidates, but also like bleeding out the possibility for like taking, (laughs) frankly, for taking the, uh, the Congress or the Senate back, even with people who will have to like drag kicking and screaming towards a left agenda. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. and I mean, not not to mention the fact that, like, uh, you know, were Bloomberg not in the race, he would just be pooping money into, you know, general election, like super PACs for the Democrats. Like, apparently, so, his, ca- apparently you- his campaign pays employees like disgustingly well. Also, well, and he's were- also been trying to Charlie, you sent me that article yesterday about how he's like been trying to hire influencers, pay influencers to do testimonials. Oh, yeah. For like $150 per video. The real Bloomberg gambit. And if you look at his what he's been doing, I think this is illustrative is he's been going to Super Tuesday states, trying to find the most sort of high profile Democratic Party um, uh uh, politicians, the governor, the senator, a uh, member of Congress from a from a you know sort of solid, um, large you know s- you know substantial right. district, um, and he's been courting the votes. Right, the the mayor of D.C., the yeah. uh, 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 governor of Rhode Island, the you know, D.C. doesn't bu- have any electoral votes. <laughs> well, I mean, but for the for, for yeah, the primary. True. And for True. influence yeah. in the party, right? The, and we're talking about like uh, Bobby Rush, right? Uh, a yeah. representative from Illinois. I mean, these are people who can turn out voters. That's what he's counting on them to do. He's counting on their political operations to be able to turn out voters on his behalf because people are not necessarily going to vote for somebody who was a Republican and has a just terrible, terrible, obviously awful record. And just just uh you know it's just not the kind of person who's 
would have with without uh, just an incredible amount of money and these sort of other stealth endorsements um, mm-hmm. yeah. a, a chance in this. But he is trying to he's almost, I think, just trying to give the Democratic Party a path to avoiding Sanders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah. trying to give them a glide path to uh, making he's buying them time. Right. Listen, I, th- I think this is the DNC's way of coming out as uh, billionaire technocrats. And I'm happy for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will say, though, that there is something known as the NYC mayor curse. Do you guys know about this? Yes. No. <laughs> um, so uh, there's the there's this thing in New York City politics where in 1898, the charter was changed. And since the charter was changed, uh, no single NYC mayor has ever risen higher than that office. Yeah. Um, so in 1973, Ed Koch um, tried to run for governor. Didn't work. Um, Rudy Giuliani failed twice. John Lindsay failed. Like uh, the only person from upper level NYC politics who's ever risen beyond like New York City level actually is Teddy Roosevelt. Um, but he was just police commissioner. And, um, yeah. you know, uh, I don't know. I think it. I, I, I think we should keep an eye on Bloomberg and we should definitely revisit it. Make sure it. he and does I think, not break that curse. Right. And I think we should make sure he should not. He doesn't break that curse because yeah. he's done a lot of things that have been very unconventional in New York City politics over the years. You know what? This is we a. Got, we got one fucking New York mayor out of the race this year. Like we could do it again. Um, and you know what? This I think this is a this is actually a, a perfect note to end on mm-hmm. because uh, you know I I wouldn't have I had, I had no idea you were gonna like um, you know bring that up. That's actually pretty. It's pretty funny that you mentioned like the New York City uh, mayor's curse because I just want to point out. Um, and this will be maybe especially funny to you if you're a longtime listener of the show. If not, you know, either maybe go back or don't like, um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, so Andrew Yang has left the race. Andrew Yang dropped out. And you know what the, uh, the, the big suggestion that is, uh, on just like on the lips of all of these, uh, of a ton of people, um, Mm -hmm. in the. Uh, in the commentariat and uh, in New York City uh, for for Andrew's future is... Please don't tell me. No. Running. No. For no. 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 Mayor of New York City. No. 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 So no. if you thought no. de Blasio was bad... Um, get ready. Oh, Can I oh my God. He's going he's gonna to fuck up Stuyvesant even more. Anyway. No, he's going to put a Stuyvesant on every Starbucks. Every Stuyvesant student <laughs> will have to wear a little pin that says math. math yeah. oh, Wait, oh, my God. Can I just share an anecdote from friend of the pod, Sophie Health? Yes, yes. please. Yeah. Shout out. Shout Hi, out, Sophie. Shout out, Sophie Health, at Jill Slander on Twitter. Uh, a voice of our generation. <laughs> um, she, she was, I, we hung out last night. We actually, uh, and she was like, yeah, you know, there was a, t- a time a while back when I was just, you know, uh, posting something sad on Twitter and a lot of these Yang gang people still follow me. And so one of them responded to my, uh, tweets being like, Hey, Sophie, feel better soon. Yang gang forever. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and I'm just like, wow, under Yang's New York, like that would be the only mental health care you would get. Yeah. But, like you'd be, you'd be like, <laughs> you'd good be like, vibes. I want to yeah. fucking kill myself. You Who get like it? a vaporwave meme that's like, thumbs up, buddy, hang in there. Yeah. Yang yeah. game forever. Oh, God. Well, well, you know, maybe the mayor's curse will hold true. Maybe, um, 
maybe we'll have a hey you know what i would actually pay to see is yang gang debating the rent is too damn high guy oh, in a yeah. new york city mayoral <laughs> that debate. Would be really good. um that would be fucking awesome i did have like a weird conspiracy theory where i was like maybe bloomberg's in the race because they want um because like bernie's really tall right yeah actually. and trump's really tall middle, right isn't he yeah and pete's really short and so is bloomberg but maybe what they want is to like make balance which, it I don't know, but like maybe they don't want um, Pete and Bernie standing next to each other in the same shot. So they want like more short people to frame Pete with or vice versa, mm-hmm. you know, because like I know that it, uh, I have heard a lot of rumors that like Pete's uh, height is like a major issue for him. Yeah, I mean, there's that one you can see if you can <laughs> see in the debate. Oh my God, is Pete a trans you can, man? I mean, you can you can see in the debate <laughs> line. <laughs> you can see in the debate lineup that he wear, he's wearing like platforms. Yes. Yeah. 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 Listen, he wears lifts. Yeah. He's trying to. He's Speaking been trying to. A, he's been trying to artificially man, like, lower his voice. He is a trans man. This is in fact the more redeeming quality. The only redeeming quality he has is that he's wearing platforms. I, I, I feel a lot of solidarity with that. Yeah. I thought he was just trying to do an Elizabeth Holmes by like artificially <laughs> lowering his voice. Uh, shout out to my shout out to my friend JJ who sent me uh, just an image of Elizabeth Holmes and, and a fake New York Times profile that said like Elizabeth basically something like Theranos moving into like New Hampshire uh, voting technology. And I was like about to like rage post about it in the Discord because I was like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. Um, but it was fake. Thank goodness. Mm. My God. Um, I think with that. Yeah. Is there anything else? All. Any last thoughts, anyone? We're uh, just going to go eat some peanut butter crackers, sing sorry, Solidarity I'm just, Forever. I'm just looking at Pete's lift. This this is this is what I do now. All right. Uh, so I, I think this uh, concludes yet another episode of the Death Panel. If you have not listened to our Medicare for All Week series yet, we highly recommend it. Um, we had a lot of fun doing it. And if you'd like to support our work, become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. It helps us be able to do this. We're entirely listener supported. No underwear ads here. No uh Tommy John sponsorship in our mm-hmm. sites. So um, we'd really you, like to do more of these. So Yeah. Uh, more, you mean more of Medicare for all week? Yeah. yeah. Like maybe and transcription services. And, yeah. We want to do transcription. So. Um, but also, yeah, if you're, uh, if you want to become a patron, we do, especially so like since a lot of people who we, we have a lot of new listeners actually since we did uh, Medicare for all week. So like, um obviously the like Welcome, our regular format is not a full interview every day that was uh, <laughs> that was a <laughs> yeah just series. in case you're wondering so um yeah our regular format just uh, just so you know we do two episodes a week this is the this is the free one it comes out around like this time of the week basically um you know mid mid to late week Clever and then beginning uh and then the like the beginning of the week we do a, an episode for patrons only like same type of same type of thing, same type of analysis, like full on, uh, full on episode. So, and one, um, one thing I wanted to emphasize too is that if you're really worried about getting bang for your buck, you can just play us at half speed, and it'll double as a kind of like sleep <laughs> hypnosis, or you can play us at <laughs> double idea, speed, Charlie. and then it's a kind of like ASMR experience. So you're really subscribing for three podcasts for the price of one. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Also, we Excellent. send you stickers in the mail. 
So all right, and uh, and we have a sick Discord. Oh, so. we do. Yes, yeah, and uh, like last night for the New Hampshire returns, I uh, I DJed for several hours. Ari co- already cool. committed me to DJ until the returns came in, and then you knew that Bernie won when there was suddenly Final Fantasy VII music and then DMX playing. So we will. Um, <laughs> be a real be, club kid. Yeah, we're gonna be bringing in lots Fuck. of. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna the panel will rotate through DJ responsibilities. We're gonna maybe be bringing you some. Uh, you know, live radio content to to listen to the returns, live quite analysis, possibly. quite possibly. So uh, join the Discord. Uh, so do your best to stay alive another week. Leave us a rating and review. Become a patron. Support the show. And uh, listen to Medicare for all week. That's it. Bye. Join our Discord. Bye. Bye. X go give it to you. Wait for you to get it on your own. X go deliver to you. Knock, knock. Open up the door. It's real. With the nonstop pop out and stainless steel. Go hard getting busy with it. But I got such a good heart that I make the mother wonder if you did it. Damn right, and I'll do it again. Cause yeah. I am like, so I got to win. Break bread with the enemy. No matter how many cats I break bread with, I'll break who you sending me. You motherfucker, never wanna know what your life saved. That's on a light day, I'm getting down. Down. Like it said, freeze. But won't be the one ending up on his knees. Please. But the only thing you can't steal was came out to play. Stay out my way. Motherfuckers, we gonna rock. Do we gonna fall? Do we let it pop? He gon' give it to ya, ex gon' give it to ya, he gon' give it to ya First we gonna fuck, then we gonna fall, then we let it pop, don't let it go Ex gon' give it to ya, he gon' give it to ya, ex gon' give it to ya, he gon' give it to ya He ain't never gave nothing to me, but every time I turn around, cats got their hands out, wasn't something from it I ain't got it, so you can't get it, let's leave it at that, cause I ain't quit it Hit it with full strength, I'm a jail, so I face the world like a girl in the bullpen you against me, me against you Whatever, whenever the you gon' do I'm a wolf in sheep clothing Only that you know who can chill Come back and get the streets open I've been doing this for 19 years Wanna fight me? Fight these kids I put in work and it's all for the kids But these cats done forgot what work is They don't know who we be looking But they don't know who they see First we gonna rock, then we gonna fall Then we let it pop he gon' give it to ya, X gon' give it to ya, he gon' give it to ya First we gonna rock, then we gonna fall, then we let it pop, don't let it go Come on, X gon' give it to ya, he gon' give it to ya, X gon' give it to ya, he gon' give it to ya yo, where am I, dad? I know I got them down in the greens, give them love and they give it back Joke too much for too long, don't give up, you're too strong Love to the wild, wild